construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Yes, this is indeed the Flagstick Podcast and uh, brought to you by our good friends at TaylorMade Golf Canada. Introducing Stealth with Carbon Face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbonwood Age. To learn more, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca. You think I said that enough times? Uh, yeah, you this think is so. Jeff Botter, your host, or one of your hosts, and with me always is Scott McLeod. I, Scott, welcome in, Scott. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Better when I get my coffee in me. Yes, I see you've got your coffee. I've got mine right here. I think I'm on my third cup. Um, nice. As always, I never drink a full one, so by the time I drink three, I've probably drank one, but that's okay. It's better than drinking three. That could be nasty. Oh, my gosh, Scott. Oh my gosh, we're we're kind of getting back to a little. I'm we had the we we recorded last week. You know, it was the whole you know taking a breather. We're back, and I feel like this week we're kind of a little bit more back to to normal. I feel a little bit more relaxed this week than I did last uh, last week. Even though it was a few days after the uh, the storm and the the weekend with the flagstick open and stuff, I just I feel a little bit more. I feel regenerated. Yeah, rejuvenated, I mean, regenerated, rejuvenated. Yeah, yeah. I mean the uh, obviously the after effects of the uh, the big Ontario storm uh, still still having an impact around the region. Um, just saw you know one of our friends Jerome Mizon just got his power back last night God. after seven days. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would say for sure. I mean people are feeling a little bit more uh, at ease, but, uh, Ottawa and lots of other areas in the province are certainly still recovering and, uh, including the golf courses too, which we will talk about a little bit later on. Oh, absolutely. So, so, so listen, um, your daughter had a sweet 16 this week. Mm, yeah. That's awesome. Crazy. How That's good crazy. is that? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of wild. Um, you know, obviously we both have teenagers and, um, yeah, you get those milestones in life and, uh, it was uh, it was cool. It was kind of neat, hard to believe for sure. I know. And, um, celebrations continue. We went out for a quick nine yesterday. Played an hour, hour and twenty five minutes. We're, uh, we're those slow. are the good nines. We're slow <laughs> players or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun to have a sixteen year old. I guess now a little scary. I guess it means uh, you know we're just a little bit older as well. Exactly. Now comes the G one, and then the. Uh... Yeah, I did buy a car though for her birthday. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. What'd you get her? I, I got her a Matchbox Super. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god, to, had, are you kidding I, me? I, I had to be able to say I bought her a car and a oh, birthday, despite geez. the fact it's this big. So oh my, I'm so sorry, Elsa. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that had know. to happen to you. But when you get your license, maybe he'll buy you a real Subaru. There you go. In time. Awesome. Well, listen. Um we have an awesome show, as always, for you this week. We got uh, some great discussions ahead on the on the front nine. A number of golf stories uh, from the week and the weekend, and uh, on the back nine, um, we're going to share some thoughts about our favorite clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kind of a gear that's dear uh, to us. And uh, Kevin Hame is going to help smooth out your putting. A little bit Ooh, so um i like that before we can get to any of that we have to get to the front nine the front nine is brought to you by metcalf golf club a natural setting a pleasant challenge looking for a fun golf at a great rate save 15 percent when you prepay visit metcalfgolf.com 
All right, Scott, let's dive into it. Let's jump right into the front nine. I'm really excited. I'm excited to get to the back nine because it's a really cool topic. But yeah. before we get there, we have to play nine. So let's uh, let's kind of, you know, dip into the uh, the storm waters a little mm. bit uh, and kind of just a little follow up. Um, yeah. Because there has obviously we have kind of returned to a little bit of sense of normalcy when it comes to uh, the cleanup after the storm. Most golf courses are kind of back, you know, operating Getting there normally, yeah. but there's still a few that aren't, um, yeah. you know, and one of those is obviously the Ottawa hunt that's that's still got a little ways to go. And with the turn with the with the CP Women's Open coming up um in august uh you know they've got uh, they've got a lot of work to do but mm. they're they're getting there right yeah they are uh saw a lot of pictures this week from from the hunt club um a lot of people out there helping out as we mentioned last week uh, a lot of crews with the membership they still have some issues with electricity for their pump for watering the course they have a few different things they have to go on they still have to uh they still have to go out and tag and mark a bunch of trees that need clean up clean up obviously they have to make it as safe as possible for the hunt club so uh it might be a couple more weeks before they get going they were right in the heart of the storm yeah you know as we talked about last week um so it'll be a couple weeks i think before they're going to be fully open again um but you know they obviously want to make sure the golf course is safe and they obviously uh want to make sure it's it's all right for the cp women's open um also saw some other photos from some courses we didn't even mention last week uh nation for an example they definitely have a couple hundred trees out out there and that Um, used to be a tree farm so very much yes (laughs) so there's so a lot prime, of trees out there. Yeah, prime target as far as that's concerned uh, and a few others. And then unfortunately, uh, we did hear this week of the the passing of Robert Hayama, um, who was uh, playing at one of the other local courses, which means, you know, we had two golf courses pass or two golfers pass in the region uh, due to that storm, which is, uh, you know, sadly unfortunate. Um, and certainly we pass on our condolences to his friends and family. For sure, for sure, definitely. Thoughts and prayers go to their family. It's it's tough because you know golf is um, golf is an outdoor uh, sport activity, and and weather plays a part. Uh, you know, all the time. If it's yeah. not a storm like this, it's it's lightning, and and we hear countless sure. countless yeah. times people get struck by lightning on a golf course. Very good friend of ours and and former PGA professional Bob Flero was uh, mm-hmm. um, actually had a tattoo of a lightning bolt um you know uh that he had uh, you know as a result of of that happening as well so it it happens it's it's very unfortunate it's sad and um you know again our thoughts and prayers go out to their their families um now shifting gears a little bit while speaking of pga um the uh, flagstick.com pga uh, of ottawa tour got uh got things going this year at a at a course not too far away from well 20 minutes half an hour from me but at the uh castleview uh golf club in yeah uh, in castleman yeah the spring open uh got underway yesterday uh unfortunately i was not there but joe mclean was uh, there covering it for us and uh mike dagenet uh shot 69 and won the main division that's his third time winning the spring open he was the player of the year in the zone in 2021 and uh to no surprise in the senior category uh graham gunn posted a one over 73 and got the victory there so uh, a little smaller field um maybe just people are just that much busier right now um but a strong field nonetheless and uh, they had to deal with some wins out there as well and the greens were pretty fast um but uh overall it was a good start to the season and then the uh, summer open comes up on 
June 13th up at the Renfrew Golf Club. That is the oh, next nice. event. It's that's the the day after the Canadian Open. So I don't think I'll be making that one, but I <laughs> I will be playing the Pro Pro uh, at Oh Eagle yes, Creek, you will. Which is going to be in in July. So, uh, but it's nice to get the season started again. Um, you know, these are great events not only from a competitive playing standpoint, um, but also from a social aspect too. Uh, you see the new members of the zone out there. Uh, players get to know, you know, the, who the other uh, pros are in the zone. People that have kind of moved in, changed positions, and so forth. Um, so it's as much of a social thing as well as a competitive thing. Yeah, I mean, the the uh, we've been, uh, you know, obviously uh, flagstick flagstick has been. Uh, the title sponsor of the uh, PGA of Ottawa tour for quite a few years now. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, we're always happy to continue to lend our, our, uh, our support and sponsorship and, and, uh, you know, coverage and whatnot to what the PGA does. Cause it's kind of like a, it's, it's the other side of what they do. Right. I mean, PGA, right. PGA professionals, they're, they, you know, you, they kind of sometimes get pigeonholed into the idea that they're, you know, they're, they're in the shop, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're selling golf clubs and they're taking green fees and, you know, you're running tournaments and stuff for the members, but to be a PGA professional or PGA of Canada professional, you you have to be able to play. And it's nice that they, you know, the tour exists for these guys to be able to go out and, and play some competitive golf because they're not tour players by, you know, you know, as far as PGA tour players. No. So they're not going to be out there making their living playing, but mm-hmm. this is part of their living is, is playing golf and having these types of events, uh, competitive events for them, you know, even if it's only half a dozen times a year mm-hmm. um, is, uh, is really great. And, uh, and Castleview is, uh, Castleview is a pretty cool track. Um, I remember back in 1997, I think, think it was 97 that I uh, I was quoted as saying that it was one of the most interesting layouts that I'd ever played and I know that uh, Claude Leclerc uh, <laughs> he uh, ran used with that, that <laughs> in his marketing material for quite a while and uh, you know the interpretation of what that meant is is you know yeah, subjective sure. obviously but totally. you know what I ultimately meant by what I said about that golf course and I'm sure that a bunch of the pros that had never played there before that played in the spring open would would attest to the the holes that you're playing there's some really interesting and cool holes and the layout of the golf course there's there's a ravine that runs sort of through the property mm-hmm. par three that gets uh, used to be a par four um and now it's a par three that you hit over uh over this ravine uh, i believe it's the mm-hmm. 14th hole i'm trying to yeah, think I believe so out by, the, out by the road there yeah yeah, yeah. the 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 uh you know, and then some of the holes out by the highway that you see coming in with the big Castle View sign. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some really cool little holes in there. There's mm-hmm. some straightforward, you know, yeah, you know, not not exciting holes. Yeah, but you have so many really cool little holes. Yeah, you have to think out there for sure. I mean, it's not a course you just stand up and, and kind of hit the ball. There's a couple of them that are a little bit more wide open, but there's a lot of variety there. And I think that's what lended into your interesting aspect. And yeah, um, you know, so. they, they take a lot of pride in as well, taking care of the golf course. Um, so the greens are usually really good. Um, you know, early in the year, they've got some big greens, uh, but you're right. It, it's uh, it's an interesting golf course. And the fact that, you know, you're just not hitting the same shots over. And exactly. Over and that's to, that's to my point. It's yeah. just, a, it's like, you don't stand up at the tee and go, I've seen this hole before. Right. Exactly. It's, I stand up on the tee and go, Oh, what do I yeah, do what, here? What do I do here? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, kind of a golf course you have to play once to really yeah. figure it out. 
And well, I'm that's, sure that's, so I think Dash probably has played. No, it. he hasn't. Actually. Come that's on, just, that's that's actually his first round there. Um, he is. A, you know what? I gotta say, I know we got a lot to get through, but yeah, Michael Dajne is. This guy is 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 just unreal. I mean, he is such a good golfer. Mm-hmm. Hits it a long way. Now he's not Mike. He's not a young guy anymore. No, I mean, he's, he's not, not like. I mean, and I don't mean he's like. 70 years old here or anything like that i said sorry sorry dash i didn't mean it like that but he's been doing this for a long time and he's been good for mm-hmm. a very long time he's playing in 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 a in a you know a, a tour event a local tour event against some younger you know guys whippersnappers that are hitting it you know in the threes and dash dash can still move it out there mm-hmm. and yeah, he, he, he's he, very he, competitive well, he could choose obviously to play in the senior category if you like, but he prefers to play in the main division. Why um, bother? Well, just you know, for a little extra money and stuff like that, and you get a little tougher test. And and you know, uh, again, you know, some of the top players here, it's not like these are chops. I mean, Dash has obviously been to Champions Tour qualifying school a few times. Uh, Graham Gunn's played on the European Senior Tour. Uh, Lee Curry, who was in the mix in the main division, used to play the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, Canadian Tour. There's some good, really good yeah. quality players there. So uh, it's not like you're tipping it up and, and uh, not having competition. No, uh, for sure. Uh, you definitely have to get your game in shape, which, you know, makes it a little tougher, too, for some guys, especially the first games of the year. These are the first games of the year yeah. for some people. They they have not played at all. So now I'm glad um, he's on my team for the Ping Challenge Cup. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And that that's that's happening. That's happening that at the end of the year. So I think that victory uh, just sealed Daj's uh, place uh, spot on the, on the team. So yeah. congrats, uh, congrats to him for that. And, and, yeah. and good job by all the other players that uh, that played. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed Castleview. And uh, and hopefully I will see you in Renfrew. Um, okay. Uh, OVGA had um, had a field day at Greensmere yeah. uh, recently. Um, what happened up there? Yeah, so that took place uh, on Monday. Uh, this is not only a field day, it was a qualifier as well. So pretty important. Um, nice thing is, good turnout. Uh, it was men's, women's, uh, senior men as well. Uh, 120 players showed up to play, nice. which is great to see. Uh, Brad Goodman, who we know from yeah. coming and playing in the Flagstick Open a few times. Uh, he shot 71 and uh, <clears throat> was the top guy at the field day. And then uh, following up behind him was uh, Max Lozondo, who finished fifth at the Flagstick Open. Uh, he was in at 73 with Ryan Sevigny. And all three of those guys uh, also earn a spot in the OBGA match play uh, that's going to be at the Canadian in August. And they also earn a spot in the Tunis. It's a Tunis qualifier. Nice. Uh, that's going to be, which is a Quebec major, if people are not familiar with it. Uh, that's going to be held at Redaview at the end of June. Beautiful. Uh, I've got the rundown as well. I mean, we can go into the nets, the grosses, and, the, and so forth. But people, <laughs> can, people can go to the website, uh, flagstick.com, and, and check that out. On the women's eight gross side, Lee Steubenville, uh, she took top spot uh, just ahead of Lucy Pouliot and uh, Terry DeLewis. And in the uh, senior men's, uh, Jim Crawford, who is a tournament director with the OBGA, yeah. uh, he took the low spot there at uh, 73, just ahead of Tom Henderson, that would be Brooke Henderson's uh, uncle, and Peter Harrison, the former quarterback from Queen's University. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he still gets introduced that way. Uh, from Ottawa Hunt, uh, they both uh, tied at 74. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to check out the net scores, uh, B flights, everything like that, just go to flagstick.com. We have the rundown there. Beautiful. Now. Um... 
switching gears into junior golf a little bit play junior golf tour continues to uh to yep. move forward um you know obviously we talked about them squeezing that uh their first event in last uh, weekend with mm -hmm. the Rito view uh yeah, event the weather. That, uh, with the storm the day after the storm they got it in uh they were they were actually up at uh, black bear ridge yeah, they were uh, second event of the year, the 15 event schedule, uh, had a little bit better weather. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, I think they were up against a number of other competitions and qualifiers, so mm -hmm. slightly smaller field than the, than the first event. Uh, they had players playing in eight different categories. I'll just name the winners. I won't say, you know, kind of what category then. Again, people can go to flags.com and check it out, uh, but Landon Touchette, uh, Zach Moore, uh, Justin Henniger, uh, Mimi Brader, Russell Aid, uh, Mash Adamek, and Wilson Dornicamp, and Marley Murray were your eight winners in the various categories. Uh, again, we've got a full recap like we do always up on flagstick.com to check that out for the Play Junior Golf Tour. Uh, their next event is at uh, Amherstview. Oh, nice. Uh, down in Kingston here for the uh, St. Lawrence uh, Junior Invitational. Uh, an event that's been long running uh, yes. a lot of players over a long time so that'll be their next event coming up cool all right well uh, the, the uh, play junior golf tour obviously which we're a big supporter of um uh continues to continues to trek uh, trek along uh, now we're getting into a little bit more of a, a, a widespread uh, uh, look here not a, a little less local but uh, the yeah. senior pga championship uh, wrapped up and uh a Canadian. Mm -hmm. We had it was it was close to having two Canadians right uh, you know right there as well with uh, with Weir and Ames both. But uh, yep. um, good showing by both of those guys this uh, this past weekend. Yeah, they're in the in the mix. This was down in uh, in Michigan. Uh, obviously, you mentioned this because of the Canadian aspect of it. Uh, Stephen Ames ended up taking second to Stephen Alker. Uh, Alker charged back on the last day. There wasn't much uh, Ames could do there. Uh, it was his fifth top five finish in uh, nine events this year. Uh, Weir ended up tying for fourth, which is, uh, you know, good to see. I mean, yeah. there's no Canadian has yet to win uh, a major on the Champions Tour. Obviously, these players have both won events on the Champions Tour. But but not a major yet, but uh, obviously they're getting closer and uh, still fun to watch. I mean, a lot of people are very familiar with these players, so uh, it, it's good to see them still playing well. How the heck does Bernard Longer still like? Oh, I know. It's like even even um, even my youngest son Brandon, who's who's a who's a golfer and follows golf. Um, we're watching it because I, I I'm I'm a little bit more intrigued. Um, a little bit more caught up, I think, in the in the champions uh, PGA champions tour only because those are the guys for the most part those are the guys that i grew up watching like sure those are yeah. you know i still like watching the pga tour it's exciting but um you know watching the champions tour you see a lot less robotic golf swings mm -hmm. and a lot a lot more creativity and how they uh how they move the you know move the club from from uh you know through the through the uh through the ball but um bernard longer it's like it, it's like Brandon turns to me and he says, he says, is he like always in the top five? Like, hasn't he been Pretty playing much. golf for 60, 70 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, but I get what you're saying. He's, he's not a young guy and, and he just, and he's got a bit of a quirky golf swing as well, the way, you know, his takeaway and whatnot, but repetitive. And he just seems to be able to get it done and he still moves the ball out very well for, uh, for an older guy. Yeah, and the thing with him is that 
he perseveres over everything. I mean, he's had yips over the years. He's tried every single putting method. Um, he's got a number of injuries he's been dealing with, which, you know, inhibits his play, but he's always there consistently. Um, if he, if he doesn't win, he's usually in the mix. Uh, it's pretty rare for him to play poorly in any event. Jeez. Oh, we wish. Um, the PGA Tour Canada now uh, is uh, is getting things uh, getting things going um, in Victoria, um, yep. and um, I mean obviously at some point or another, some of the uh, some of the players, some of the, the guys like Noah Steele, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll start to see them on the leaderboards in in some of these PGA Tour Canada events. But uh, but they get going in Victoria, right? Yeah, they do. Um, you know, Noah, for example, is one of the players, sort of like Miles Creighton as well, that are, you know, playing down PGA Tour LA. So they're playing Latino America. They're actually in Columbia this week. Um, so they'll jump up and catch up with the tour probably a few weeks in. But um, this is actually the first official event for PGA Tour Canada in a number of years. Uh, during the COVID uh, time, they ran an unofficial tour. Uh, they ran a short schedule of only four events, so what they call the Canada Life Series in 2020. Uh, in 2021, they ran eight events. Um, you know, they still had some rights and privileges that the players earned uh, from that, but they weren't kind of uh, as official. Right. And this and this is the uh, the first full schedule. So uh, getting underway at Uplands, their traditional spot to start on the, uh, the West Coast. Uh, nice to see. I had a look at the field. A lot of great, talented uh, players there, uh, you know, both professionals and amateurs. They had the Monday qualifier yesterday, some nice fresh faces uh, coming up and playing there. Obviously seeing the Americans come back as well, Yeah, uh, players from other countries, which is what we didn't see last year. They ran a split tour last year. Um, they ran the Forme tour down in the U.S., and they ran a Canadian tour, but it was mostly for the players that were staying in Canada that were Canadians. Um, so, yeah, they're getting underway, and they'll, they'll be heading their way uh, east, um, and then, you know, back into Ontario, uh, a little bit after that. So, uh, yeah, good, to, good to see. And, uh, another bit of, uh, golf we can follow this year. Absolutely. Okay. So we got a couple more things to quickly, uh, touch on in the front nine here on the flagstick podcast. And, uh, one of those is the U S <laughs> the U S women's open is this week yep. and majors and majors and major to me. Mm. I senior 100%. PGA senior PGA was, uh, just finished up. Uh, we've already passed through. Um, you know, a couple of uh, majors on the PGA Tour, uh, and uh, and I'm excited about this. Uh, you know, it's at the Pine Needles, uh, you know, Lodge and Golf Club in Southern Pine, at Southern Pines, North Carolina. Uh, yeah. But it's it's a U.S. Open, it's the U.S. Women's Open, and it also and uh, we know that uh, that Brooke Henderson's in the field as well as uh, you know Madame Leblanc. Yeah, we've got uh, three Canadians in the field. Uh, Brooke is returning after a month of uh, not playing. Um, undisclosed at this point why that decision was made, but uh, I guess we'll find out. I know she was out for a practice round yesterday. Um, if you follow our tweets, so catch us on at, at Flagstick on Twitter. Um, I've got the timings for her practice rounds and stuff like that. But um, yeah, she's back playing Madame Leblanc and then amateur Lauren Kim. So we've got three Canadians playing. Nice. Uh, very storied golf course as well. Uh, Pine Needles uh, has held some uh, fabulous um, U.S. Women's Open in the past. Uh, winners like Annika, Kari Webb. Uh, Christy Kerr, for an example, um, fabulous place, uh, very supportive of women's golf and, uh, you know, another one of those great Pinehurst area golf courses. So yeah. this should be good visually to watch as well. 
Beautiful. Okay. Last thing on the list, the RBC Canadian Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to take uh, take a, l- a little bit of a look ahead at uh, at the uh, the upcoming coverage. Uh, we know that some some Excuse some wow. major yeah. uh, players, major players, mm-hmm. have yeah. committed. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty awesome field for uh, this edition of the RBC Canadian Open. Yeah, it definitely is going to be. Uh, again, you know, we've got uh, a return back from the. Um, you know, from the hiatus, the last event was in 2019 at the Hamilton Golf and Country Club. So a lot of excitement around this. Obviously, we had, uh, you know, Brian Crawford on uh, to talk about it, the tournament director. But, you know, now we've had even more commitments since we had that last interview, uh, including Justin Thomas, the uh, recent PGA Championship winner. So a lot of people are be excited. That adds a lot to the field here, um, you know, with Scheffler, McElroy, uh, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, we've got some extra Canadians in there. Uh, Brandon Leonard uh, worked his way in there. Uh, Aaron Cockrell uh, was given an exemption. He's been playing well in the European Tour. I know he was out yesterday with uh, with Corey Connors and Michael Gligic and Leonard. They were playing a practice round at St. George's. Um, cool local story as well that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, we can talk about it now, but people can uh, expect to maybe see some content about it. But, uh, you know, our, our, our good friend uh, Hayden Underhill, who did play in the Flagstick Open, obviously was uh you know part of that horrific uh accident in the university of southwest uh earlier this year that you know t- unfortunately took the life of uh, uh many of his teammates his coach and uh, a couple other people that were you know also involved in the accident um he is going to he and his family are going to be the guest of golf canada next week uh, oh, florence right. alphabom the ceo uh so they're going to be uh, treating them to vip access and uh you know, hopefully we'll see what happens as far as date and price, uh, if they're able to get home uh, there in time. But, you know, a nice extra little bit of a, a story as well. Uh, and I'm planning to be up there and, and attend next week uh, and, and to see the event. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll provide some for some coverage from there nice. as well. Uh, not only from flags for uh, on flagstick.com, but, uh, you know, on the podcast as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. Okay. We've powered through the front nine here on the Flagstick Podcast, but uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Scott, uh, well, uh, we're going to have a little bit of a uh, putting uh, tip from Kevin Hame. He's going to help smooth out your putting a little bit. And Scott and I are going to talk about the gear that's dear. Mm. I'll leave it at that. We got to take a break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Over the past 40 years, you've inspired us to make a lot of great drivers. All great, but all eventually reached their limit. But while we were making all these drivers for the present, we were also hard at work making the next generation of driver. Because where titanium ends, carbon begins. And we are back here on the Flagstick Podcast. Um, and as always, we need to take uh, we need to take a look at uh, improving your golf. And uh, we're going to head out uh, to the Lesson Tee with uh, with our good friend Kevin Haim. Uh, brought to you as always by the Kevin Haim Golf School. It's always the right time to play better. Whether you need private lessons, a better short game, custom club fitting, or as in this case, this week help with your putting visit kevinhame.com and remember better golf is a lot more fun so yes indeed 
on this episode of Flagstick Podcast, Kevin is going to help smooth out your putting. So let's take a look at this. Okay, golfers, time for a quick tip. This is one of my favorites. I use a loonie and my putter to work on my transition, the smoothness of my stroke. Many people we work with are really quick in their downstroke, kind of jerky, and they hit at the golf ball. I love this little drill. It doesn't cost you anything. Give it a try. So put a loonie in the back of your putter behind the face. And then the trick is when I swing the putter, I don't want to lose the loonie until impact or a little bit after. Watch this, everyone. Nice, smooth transition. Did you see the way the putter went back and through with rhythm? That's what I'm after here. I love inexpensive homemade drills and tips. This is a good one. Stick a loony in the back of your putter and you'll start making more putts. Yeah, we definitely, uh, that would help. Um, <laughs> we definitely need, we all definitely need some help with our putting. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe that might just be a little snippet of something that you can do to help uh, improve your putting stroke and maybe drop a few more birds or in some of our cases, uh, save bogey. Um, but uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of other things that you can do to help your putting as well. So uh, be sure to uh, to visit your uh, PGA of Canada uh, professional. And uh, if you think you need help with your putting and ask, and, and don't uh, be afraid to look at putting lessons. I get, I get people all the time. All they want to do is they want to make their golf swing look as pretty as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't spend enough time practicing their putting. Even when you work with them on putting and you say to them, you know, have you practiced your putting? They're like, oh, well, yeah, I had a few putts before I went out to, to play. Like, that's not practice. Um, <laughs> so, so take Kevin's advice there work on your putting you know it is a critical element of the game uh for most players it's over 40 percent of your strokes and you don't get better unless you put some work and effort in there you go put in the work put in the work put in the work and putting in the work does as scott said does not mean just going and hitting a few putts now and then or or whacking a few balls out in the driving range i mean no. it's uh, it's honing the craft as the, as, the, as the pros will probably call it, is honing the craft, styling it in, muscle memory, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it takes work if you want to get better. If you don't want to yeah. get better and you just want to play the way you're playing, well, sure. then keep it's doing fun. what you're doing. What is it, the expression, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got? You Cliche got it. as it may be, true. it is also true. Yeah, very much. Okay. Let's dive into the back nine presented by Golf Sim Gurus. Work on your game all year round in the privacy of your own home. Custom golf simulators, setups built to your specs and to fit your budget. Visit golfsimgurus.ca to learn more. Listen, we got to dive into this topic because yeah, I am fun like, one. I saw this on the, this is, <laughs> this is what we're going to talk about. I'm like, Oh my God, my list is going to be so long. How am I going I to shorten this thing? I know, but this is a, this is an awesome little topic to, to get into. And I'm sorry yeah. if it might, it might stop us from getting to topic number, our final thing, you know, in really deep, but I want it. This is, this is big. I like this. So, <laughs> so you, you put forward the idea that we were going to talk about gear that's dear to us and, right. and you know, to, to kind of like talk about the equipment that we really liked or yeah. like and yeah. and why or how it impacted us yeah. you know yeah so this, so this is your... not, i'll tell you this is the hard part one we're both over 50 now so we've, <laughs> we've we've got a lot that we've gone through over the years uh 
two, we've also been in the golf business for decades, uh, having been involved with retail as well. Uh, lots of manufacturers uh, playing. We're both club geeks as far as, you know, picking yeah. up this. Let's, hey, if we're on a road trip, we're going to go to a, we're going to go to every golf <laughs> shop that's around. You know, we can tell stories about that. And we will actually at some point on mm -hmm. this podcast uh, talk about stories of going, hey, let's go to a golf shop in Cape Cod and pick up some ping woods, wood woods. I still and, have play them, those. Yeah. So those are great. Um, so that leads into this, which, like you said, it makes it very difficult when you start to look at your list oh. and i and i literally i was the same thing i'm like i'm just gonna write the first five things and i'm gonna leave it at that because if i sit there and stew on it anymore i'm gonna have a list of a hundred items oh Easy. my gosh yeah Easy. and everything has a story see the thing is right this is the thing the thing the thing is this yes every one of these items on on the list there's a story associated with it so this topic in itself <laughs> could be an entire separate podcast yeah on its own and maybe maybe down the road we we get a couple of more people to jump into a uh mm. into a, a recording of a special edition of the flagstick podcast to get some other ideas like and and not just some people like some some prominent people uh, to talk about this very topic, but right sure. now it's non-prominent people, you and me, <laughs> yeah, uh, going to talk about this. So, like, like, this was your idea. So, why don't you, oh uh, why don't you lead <laughs> us off here? Okay. Well, you know what? Um, obviously, going down memory lane, I, I had to, uh, you know, I had to first sort of assess what was still left in my house, which is scary enough as it is. <laughs> I keep threatening to have a yard sale of some kind, but. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if that ever happens. But, you know, when I, th I thought back right away and I thought about, you know, clubs that maybe had a significant, you know, place as far as there's moments I thought about and I thought about equipment, um, that's how I tried to go with it. I tried to go, go with not my, not my favorite clubs or anything, because there's lots of those and we could do tons of that, but ones that sort of jumped out in my mind. And for some reason, the Yonix ADX 300 driver oh of all God. things. So if people are not familiar and maybe we'll get some pictures together here, hopefully, maybe who knows that we can, we can put up and, and uh, that might be difficult, but we'll see. Um, that driver was interesting because it was an extra long driver. So it's actually the 300 E uh, right. is actually the exact one, which was a 48 inch driver. Uh, and this was the first driver that I used competing in long drive. And at that point, this was a way different uh, category of equipment than what you see now in long drive, where you've got interchangeable shafts and club heads that are yeah. really designed for long drive. And the fact that, um, you know, not just from a length, but from a from a, the ability to stand uh, long drive competitions and, and uh, you know, repetitive striking the golf ball at super high speeds. Um, this was a carbon head, uh, which again was designed to be a little bit lighter. Um, it was a larger head for the time, which really wasn't. It was maybe 200, <laughs> maybe 250 cc's, maybe not. Oh my God. Um, I know, think about that. That's insane. And then, you know, um, they, ended up enhancing this driver. It was used by a lot of long drivers at the time. It was sort of a big thing. There was a number of athletes that were using it. Um, I, I liked it. The only problem with it, and thank God at the time I was in retail and had access uh, to a bunch of them, 
they tended to crack. Yeah. Uh, and they, they eventually <clears throat> added a metal plate to the face to, to kind of help out with this happening. But I can literally remember being at a Canadian long drive championship and, you know, the head just split down <laughs> through the top after warm up, And it was the one driver that I really, really liked. So this was a, uh, you know, purple shaft that they had. And again, didn't really have a lot of the technology. It was just whatever they threw in it. Yeah. Uh, this black head, uh, you know, you can remember this driver, obviously yep. uh, expensive at the time. Very. And uh, yeah, it was my first one before I went to a, uh, a titanium driver for long drive. But uh, I can remember having to carry, I don't know, I probably had like six or eight of them in a, in a Yonix bag or whatever. When I went to do long drive stuff, this, and for reference, this is 30 years ago. This is, I would have been yeah. 20, 22 to 24 years old. Uh, at that time, uh, the world long drive hadn't really kind of reached its peak. Uh, they had regional qualifiers and then you would go up to, uh, nationals in Canada and then qualifiers from there would go on to the worlds, uh, never got to the worlds, uh, did okay. Got busted out at the, uh, the Canadians, uh, close to qualifying for, and they only had one spot at that time. So I got, I got busted out in the, in the, uh, in the grid, uh, you know, in the brackets and, uh, but yeah, it was a neat, neat club. Yeah. Odd noise. Um, you know, it was very, very yeah, it didn't really make much noise. It was no, it was very, very dead. Hollow, it, dead. I mean, yeah. back then they, I mean, it was foam filled, yeah. foam filled, like all, all drivers back then were, uh, it, it wasn't until much later that they, they became uh, hollowed out. They right. were all foam filled back then. Yeah. And it was a yeah. constant thing with the foam breaking down on the inside and people would mm -hmm. bring their clubs in with the rattle and we'd have to, yeah, pop exactly. we'd have to pop the shaft out and then we'd have to, you know, get the foam, the, the broken foam out and then, you know, yeah. epoxy the shaft back in. And I, you know, the thing is I, so we had a, you had a 46 and a 48 inch version of that driver. I, believe. I did. Yeah. Um, and the 48 was the one that, uh, that was kind of the, you know, the big, the big bomber. Now I recall, um, at, uh, playing around a golf at loyalist, uh, country club mm -hmm. and you hit that thing and you hit it And back then loyalist country club was only nine holes. So what right. you play is the back nine at loyalist now was the only nine. Yeah. And I recall, uh, I believe it was the, let me think here. One, two, three, fourth hole, um, which was Correct. a par four kind of a yep. blind green because you kind of hit up and and to the left a little bit yep. uh you hit it onto the front edge of the green yeah and it was 405 something like that um i i mean <laughs> i distinctly remember why do i distinctly remember the the because it's 405 that's yeah. why i distinctly remember it it was yeah. an insanely was long many many miles an hour ago <laughs> yes yes but as we talked about earlier you, you still yeah. move it out there pretty good for an old guy Wow. <laughs> I, you know, I got to keep I'm it ahead. Sorry. I, I, I got to keep ahead of the, you know, I, I can't do it now. I mean, obviously you got junior students that, you know, these kids now yeah. just rip the golf ball, they're super strong or whatever, but you know, it's nice to be able to get the golf ball out there. Um, it seems funny when I sit there and say to them, yeah, you know what? I used to swing it faster and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. But um, yeah, certainly the sport has evolved by a lot and you know, that standard as far as hitting it, I had limitations. I was only six foot tall you know all of a sudden guys came along i can remember we were in in florida and 
I remember yeah. there was a log drive competition and all of a sudden, you know, saw this big Viking came up. Basically, I, I was leading the leg competition and, and, you know, uh, next thing you know, it's like six foot seven guy, you know, smoking the ball out there. And I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's nothing I can do. I mean, you know, there there's guys, you know, that have come along over the years. Um, you know, Jamie Sadlowski's and whatever that, you know, and certainly was not in their class in any yeah. possible way, but, you know, of just smaller athletes, but, you know, there just tended to be more and more athletes that, that came along that got better and better and it, it evolved the sport and, you know, it was great to see, but yeah, early drivers like that, that Yonex ADX 300E, um, they sort of set the, uh, set the tone for what would happen in the years that follow. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, fondly remember that club and, you know, like I said, only played it for a, a couple of years until we started to get into the uh, the titanium ones, and I didn't even put those on the list. Some of the early ones yeah, um, sure. that that had with those, but uh, a distinctive driver for sure. Nice. Yeah, I like You've that. got a driver. You've got a driver to start. I with, have I a driver too. Now, distinctive might be the understatement for this one because <laughs> there's the the, the um, how this driver was created and how it ended up in my hands is 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 kind of interesting. So there was a club company way back when, when, you know, when you had the, the shop with your, with your partner, uh, Jim Petrunka, yep. and uh, I was working with you guys there. And uh, one of the sort of, uh, um, I guess I'll call it a lower end brand, lower end companies, uh, Palm Springs. Right. Um, you know, you see a lot of these clubs in retail, a lot of this type of club in retail, they're not the high end $400 driver. Mm -hmm. They're the mid price. There, you know. There's probably a lot more of those in the 1990s because yeah. there was a lot more companies that were trying to, you know, carve a space in the industry. And, you know, it was a lot harder to, to stick around for sure. It was in, in this club. So this was a Palm Springs, Mr. Big. Yeah. You didn't even have the name down there, but I remembered it right away. Yeah. Um, it's right too. Palm yeah. Springs, Mr. Big Driver. Now, yeah. what was unique about this driver were two things. Number one, the head of the driver was, was, uh, was polished mm -hmm. chrome. Oh, so, it was yes. that one. Yes. Oh. So, so this driver was just a driver. It's kind of like a, I'm not going to call a it a knockoff of a, it was it was a big a, Bertha. Yeah. Like and, club. And what we did was we polished the, the, the gunmetal finish that was right. on it, or the, the matte metal finish, oh, whatever yeah. you want to call it. We polished it off on the uh, upstairs in the, the shop at the store. We polished it so that it was polished right down to the point where it was like chrome. Yeah. Like see your face in the head of the driver chrome. Yeah, it looked like one of those soldiers in Battlestar Galactica. Yes, the, the, yes, Cylon Raider. Yeah, there I think you we go. might have actually called it the Cylon Cy Raider driver at one or point. Cylon Warrior now, or whatever The it was. second unique thing about this driver was that we put a Sandvik oh, Cylon Raider. That's what tie was, yeah. shaft. Yeah. Blue, like, like metallic blue titanium, titanium shaft in this yeah. driver. And, uh, and I believe in keeping with the norm with me back in those days, I had Garland grip on it. <laughs> people don't even look that up that company no, is no. long gone so this is the unique polished head driver metallic blue uh shaft and yeah. this garland grip on it <laughs> crazy crazy yeah. head now that in itself is just and why it's on my list is because i love that driver mm -hmm. for one thing it was swing weighted i don't know what swing weight we had you know 
back then we were always playing around with the swing weights of clubs and adding you know adding i wonder, I wonder whose basement shaft. that is in these days i have no idea but now here's the thing okay now what i know you know that i did this uh later on um but i found a mr big driver oh years yeah and years and years yeah, later yeah, yeah. and i ended up ordering that shaft i wanted to rebuild this club so i ended up ordering the shaft from sandvik yep in the u.s we used to right. pass by the yeah, sandvik factory Lang lancaster pennsylvania yeah so we used to pass it on the way to the pga show uh, in orlando every year and i and and so i i contacted them and i got my hands on the metallic blue titanium <laughs> shaft and i had that head and i polished it up i rebuilt this driver um god's honest truth that thing sucked so bad <laughs> <laughs> that, i may have hit it good when i first built when i built the first uh, one nostalgia the, is a terrible the, thing <laughs> the second one was terrible i don't know what 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 the deal was maybe it's just i don't know but well that, why it's I, on the I, list is just yeah. again this is the, yeah. the the clubs that are that are dear to us well yeah it was dear to me when i first built it it was dire to me when i <laughs> when i rebuilt it so i don't i want nothing to do with oh. it but it was what a cool club it was it got a lot of um it was a, a neat, lot of it was attention. a neat shaft and i think it, it got a lot of attention because uh you know john daly uh you know kind of played a couple of them and and uh, a lot of people got interested in it um people looked at it as potential people were looking at titanium as the next possible thing for for club heads so they were assuming that you know the the as a iron or a shaft um you know that would have similar qualities or whatever but it just wasn't very um it wasn't very malleable to make uh, a various different designs and things for fitting and so forth. So um, it, it really um, turned out not to be the greatest material as far as the shaft. Was no, concerned. in my understanding of the of that particular the the way because the shaft was was because it was titanium, it was lighter weight, so yeah. um, it could be made as strong. strong as a steel shaft, but lighter than a steel shaft. The problem was that the the flex options, the flexibility right. of it, exactly. it, it was too rigid. Like it was just, you couldn't tip it the way you could steel. Um, so it almost had to be the right flex at the raw length, because as soon as you did anything to it, um, you stiffened it up like a, like cutting, cutting two inches off of a hockey stick. That's, you know, you know, you can't do anything to make it more flexible the other way by tipping it differently so yeah. anyway cool club loved it that's why it was on my list <laughs> um now now you got a putter on yours and i man i love these putters <laughs> yeah yeah we sold a lot of those do you still and, have uh, one i do not i've uh i've looked at some over the years but again uh nostalgia is a great thing <laughs> when you look back and you go sometimes it's best it stays nostalgia mm, yeah you'd stay that way so the ram zebra zebra putter the mallet yeah. putter um it is still one of the best-selling putters of all time uh, obviously was made use of by players like ray floyd nick price on tour um you know it, it was popular in the in the 1990s and had a distinctive look had a zebra pattern uh, you know, obviously lines across the club head yep. and it was also an adjustable weighted putter. You could actually yeah. have a weight port underneath the head you could take the plate off and actually add weighting to it. So that made it uh, a popular, there was various versions of it. 
uh, it was definitely the heyday for that company. And, uh, you know, I, I played that putter. I don't even know how many years that I had it, but I certainly had some low rounds with it. They probably had nothing to do with the putter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you sort of attach it to it and that's why you sort of like it. But um, it, it, it got me into playing mallet putters. They really was, you know, prior to that, I didn't really play around with mallet putters that much. It was always sort of blades. Uh, but again, just from a nostalgia standpoint, um, it's certainly one that was uh, kind of neat. And I was just thinking in my brain uh, of our good friend, Rich uh, McLean. And do you remember what he did to... Yeah, he, he had, had a special even, paint job that he put on yeah. his. It had like a like flex of... The... Yeah, it was like a rock, rock paint finish or yeah. whatever that he did. It was just the... I don't know. It was a disaster. Yeah. He loved the thing or whatever, but um, it was just kind of funny to think back of that. And again, you know, it's nostalgia more than anything, but, uh, and going back and, you know, seeing some in used bins over the years, I thought, Oh, I should always get one. But then you look at it and go, Oh, that's maybe not what I thought it was. So um, <laughs> anyways, I've just left it at that, but it certainly was uh, one that uh, stood out for me over the years. All right. Now, chances are though since we're talking so much about every everyone we, we're not going to get through a whole list of no. five here before the end of the show but um maybe a couple more sure i'm going to skip down my list a little bit here just because i i like the fact that some of these items on here have uh stories stories um and and interestingly enough the next one i'm going to talk about on my list is another club from the same company <laughs> shaking oh your head why are you shaking your head i'm just laughing because most of the people mm. that are listening to this podcast i don't know it depends whether they remember this brand or not it was a brand actually you know if you remember nevada bob's stores in their original formation mm -hmm. uh, i think it was more of a house brand for them a little bit yeah it might and have been it, and it ended up uh you know kind of you know gonna going out from there and you know if you dig through the used bins you can probably still find some but uh yeah go ahead and tell your story because <laughs> i love this story because i witnessed what happened with well, this I, I felt it um <laughs> so this was a palm springs again palm springs beryllium copper Ooh, wednesday yeah and it had a, a um it had a dark brown um I know it was it was a steel shaft, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah, but it was, it was it was it had a finish on it that made it sort of look like graphite. Right, but it was anyways, and it had a garland grip on it as well. So you seeing a trend here? I love I, I those think, garland I, grips I, back in the day. I think there was just a really good deal. On it the was a good grips. deal, and they were cheap. And I couldn't <laughs> afford anything else. Yeah, yeah, even at wholesale, I couldn't afford anything else other than they were good <laughs> grips. So, um, but this was a beryllium copper wedge. Now. I absolutely adored this wedge. Mm -hmm. It had a, it was a beautiful looking club. It felt great when you hit a sharp, like a really sharp leading edge on it. Mm -hmm. um, great out of, uh, off the fairway, especially, yeah. um, you know, it was really, you know, when I, when I got up, you know, had a wedge shot in, you know, that club, yeah, all the confidence in the world, all the confidence in the world, I could swing away and, and nothing bad was going to happen when I had that wedge in my hand. And, um, then something bad happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At Wooden Sticks. In At Wooden Sticks, yes. During Ontario Golf Hall of Fame Day when we were paired together. I believe that that was the. Yep. Uh, that was and the I think I believe there. it was the uh, it was the it was the 18th, 18th hole. And yep. um, right side, you're in the rough. Yeah. And oh, I, I remember and I, right distance. I went to the bag and I pulled out good old faithful beryllium kappa. <laughs> and uh, I took a took a hearty swing at it. You know, got now, a little bit of 
Now we should say, okay, in regripping this club previously, we did notice that there was a slight dent in the shaft <laughs> under the grip, which you know we sort of passed over, and or thought, we ignored it. One of the eh, other, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> it won't have an effect on anything. No, guess what? <laughs> it had an effect. Um, nice swing, and darned if that club didn't break off under the grip in the middle of my swing, and the grip the shaft broke the grip tore the thing whipped around and smacked me in the side of the head and that was the end of uh Jeff that went was, down like a uh, yeah. sack of potatoes oh, it went, you know i was uh, i it was like i was shot and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh it was a sad day it, it was. was a very sad day because i think <laughs> even after um popping the shaft and replacing it once again that club same. was not the same because we couldn't yeah. replace it with the same shaft back and right. at that time it was uh so you had to replace it with you know some probably some dynamic goal i can thing. still see you fall to your knees after hitting that <laughs> shots i mean it shouldn't have been funny but i mean this is a good, <laughs> it, this is a good reminder for people to check their clubs for any damage <laughs> stay away from trees be aware that you know when a golf shaft snaps that club head can snap back at you or the shaft can pretty dangerous. Uh, and in this case, a little humorous. We say that now because you're okay. I think you're okay. Uh, we don't know. It may have, it may have, nobody really it, knows. It could it be, the, it could be the reason you. for a lot of issues right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, definitely one of those moments you, uh, you remember uh, being on the golf course and seeing, but uh, you know, RIP to the Palm Springs. <laughs> Palm Springs. Wedge now I gotta say, the, if I ever, did run across one yeah down the road i probably would get one you think you would you'd probably look at I it now know. and go that thing looks terrible <laughs> i don't know it was such a great looking wedge i mean i mean the wedge they have now stuck in your head too, but no the wedge is stuck in my head that's what i mean <laughs> pieces of beryllium copper stuck yeah. in my brain oh my yeah oh my goodness okay do you want me to do one more yeah, why don't you own? do one more and then we're going to, uh, yeah, we'll do one more and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into our product watch. All right. This is a struggle here because obviously I have a few on my list, but uh, I will go with the Callaway Razor Fit Driver. Oh, okay. Uh, this is from 2010 and I actually still own this driver. I still have it. Um, what ended up happening was um, I was playing golf on a trip to California at Aviara, I think it was at Aviara, may have been a different course, doesn't matter. Uh, it was with Callaway, they were showing some products, um, wasn't their best time for their company as far as products, but this driver was really something, it was really good. And it just so happened I was playing with uh, Luke Williams, who at the time, now still works for Callaway, but at the time he was the guy doing a lot of their cheap designs for their metal woods. And he had created this driver that was, you know, a titanium driver, really clean, no alignment guides on the face, the cool part was he had a, uh, we'll call it secret sauce uh, shaft. He had this sort of archive of older shafts of RCH shafts that, you know, Callaway hadn't had in productions for years, but he still had access to. We go out and play. I'm demoing the clubs. 
he recognizes that my club head speeds maybe a little faster than some of the you know than suitable for the demo yeah. clubs that they're, that they're getting us to play uh so he's like hey uh you know he was a good player uh rugby player at ucla i believe strong guy said hey why don't you use my driver and i drove the ball super super it was at del mar that's what it was okay. del mar was a golf club and i drove it super super well and he joked man you, you should have one of those drivers i'm like yeah i'd love to take your driver out of here right now Anyhow, it became a topic of conversation. Uh, Scott Reed, who worked for Callaway at the time, who was the uh, director for Canada, uh, you know, was part of those conversations. And then uh, he happened to be out at the um, Pebble Beach Invitational. Now, this is not the, the AT&T. This is the event that's put on sort of in the fall. It's now sponsored by TaylorMade. It used to be sponsored by Callaway at that time. It was just a pro-am that took place. Um, a lot of tour players come in uh, a lot of celebrities and stuff like that and it's just kind of a, a corporate event and uh, they were making a couple of extra drivers for adam hadwin at the time uh, scott managed to snag one of the builds for hads and uh, snuck it to me and uh, i played that driver on and off for many many years just like i said just a very clean had a graphite design shaft in it uh, an adi 7x i believe um, and just had a really clean look to it uh, compact shape it was more for tour uh, also had uh, dual cogs as far as the adjustable sleeves on at that time they were only offering a single uh, sleeve fit uh, for the retail and this right. was more for the tour so you could fine tune it i forget the loft was down to like 8.2 or something really exact or whatever uh but love that driver it was really cool and uh i occasionally take it out it's something i will take out maybe once a year just to hit just just for uh you know just for giggles and uh i've hit it i've hit i've hit it in the uh i've hit it in the sim uh obviously not as fast uh, is current ones, uh, but still a solid driver and, and one of those ones that uh, I've decided actually to hang on to. There you go. See, sometimes we do hang on to this stuff. Now, on my list, nothing on this list. There's one item on this list that I still have, um, and it's a it's a persimmon-headed fairway wood by, by Cleveland uh, yep. that I still have and I will not get rid of, even though when I take it out and hit it, I hit it really, really well, but it, it don't go very far. <laughs> and it doesn't go very high either so um, it's a good penetrating ball but, flight but, but fun to hit well yeah. designed for the golf balls at the time right just like those really... ping woods that you were talking about that right. i got at cape yep. cod i still have them they're still in the garage they're still in great shape every once in a while i throw them in the bag and hit them and yeah. uh i hit those things still dead straight uh yeah. but i hit but those nowhere. things dead nowhere yeah uh, so but they look pretty they have the old yeah. dial a grip on them and stuff okay um i want to get into more but you know maybe we'll like like last episode i think we might have to yeah. kind of set this apart for a part two part two definitely um and um you know we'll we'll do that another time but for the time being we'll leave it there uh we're going to take a quick break again and uh when we come back we're going to dive into our product watch segment and uh we're going to talk about uh uh, GPS watches versus laser rangefinders. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Introducing the all new Spider GT with Pure Roll 2 to improve topspin and a fluted shaft to enhance feel. No matter how you look at it, it's stability from every angle. Only from TaylorMade. All right, welcome back. And uh, as promised, we're uh, we're going to dive right into our uh, 
product watch segment of the flagstick podcast uh, brought to you as always by greensmere golf club save 40 percent on all daily green fee rates with flex pass for only 425 dollars plus tax visit greensmere.com for more information all right scott yeah uh, you know we've we've been we've had discussions on the podcast in the past um about technology we we mm -hmm. had a segment where we talked about uh, range finders and yep. and uh we've talked about launch monitors and we've talked mm -hmm. about just about everything under the sun when it comes to technology but we're going to kind of look at a comparison now mm -hmm. um of because one of the things you see a lot of now is is you see the the, the you know people have their smartphones and they've right. got the they've got the apps on their phones for yep. for uh, with the gps in there doing their you know their yardages and the maps of the courses and stuff like that with with i guess like golf logics and things like that but sure um there's the the watches now uh, mm -hmm. are becoming really popular i know i have one a tom tom Yep. Uh, which unfortunately the battery won't hold a charge anymore so it's dead um mm. but uh it was very basic not a lot mm. of you know intricate detail to it and of course we we have rangefinder so yeah you know we thought maybe we'll just take a look at sort of the comparison of the of the two things like mm -hmm. the 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 watches or the the apps yeah. versus uh you know the handheld range finders yeah well you know distance measuring devices have certainly become a large category i mean we've had uh a number of surveys uh that we've posted polls where you know a lot of people say they you know more people say that they actually use a distance measuring device now of uh, whatever kind versus not um certainly see that out on the golf course uh, it's not always the case you don't see people uh you know pacing off their yardages as much anymore uh i still do that on occasion I do too. when i uh when i forget my laser range finder i had that yesterday uh where i still paced it off and and you know kind of estimated it, it helps if you're at a golf course that maybe you're familiar with and you know the depth of the green and where the pins might be located and sometimes you don't really need that information anyway so uh but the big thing here is the fact that you know uh, we get a lot of people that are maybe giving the gift of a distance measuring device to someone and they'll reach out through our social media or email or whatever the case may be and sort of ask, um, you know, what's better, uh, a GPS device or a laser yeah. rangefinder? And, and really, it's not a case of better. It's a case of doing or using or buying whatever suits your needs, your purposes, your desires. But there's definitely a difference between the two. And as you said, uh, when we talk about GPS products, so that, you know, they're obviously based on global positioning systems and um, it's different than what it was before when there was only, you know, a few golf courses that were charted. Now, every golf course in the world, uh, you know, is pretty much done through GPS and whether that's accurate or not, which, mm -hmm. you know, again, that becomes one of the factors here uh, of whether that GPS is, is accurate. Um, but there is different forms, uh, as you mentioned, uh, apps. There's small devices that would just attach to your hat. There's GPS devices uh, built into speakers like the Bushnell, uh, the yeah. Wingman. Uh, there are watches. There's a lot of different aspects of different devices. So they vary in form. So again, that becomes part of the selection process for people is determining what's the form that you want. What would you make use of? Right. Uh, what's less intrusive? What's easier? For some people, it's a lot easier if all of a sudden they have it, a watch or, you know, like I said, something on the hat or the wingman. It's a lot faster. 
And, and uh, you know, that's, that's easier than reaching into their bag and pulling out the, the range finder or the laser and then zapping it to get a, a distance. So that becomes, um, you know, that becomes a choice there as far as that form factor. And we see everything that's out there. I mean, what's your preference normally for you? What, what, what would you prefer? I would definitely, I mean, if, if, if not at all, uh -huh. yeah. was an option okay. i'd be more of a not at all uh but mm, i have okay. leaned more and more uh you know as we talked about on a previous show i lean more and more towards the uh the range finders um right. i find for me anyway i like i said i had uh i had a tom tom which was mm -hmm. you know it's relatively old older technology yeah. when i had it but yeah i just the thing that i find with with the the devices is the watches in particular is uh just having to recharge them all the time mm -hmm. like i just yeah, exactly. you know i had you know you have you've got an apple watch um yep. i had for for a, quite a while i had a fitbit watch uh, mm -hmm. i think it was a fitbit charge um and it was a watch style mm -hmm. but you know you're wearing the watch and when i wear a watch i don't yes. think anything of the watch i grab the right. watch like a regular watch with a watch battery and you know i grab the watch i put it on my wrist i go out i don't even really think too much about it not having any power right and with those you know fitbit and stuff like that it's every like, few oh, days yeah, you got to charge it yeah. and you got to take yeah. it off take yeah. the device it put it in the charger right. and plug yeah. it in and then i had to have start having a charger in the car so that when right. it went dead when i was driving around doing work yeah, I and just it, plug and, it into and the if, car and if a device is obviously being very active and, and seeking a global positioning system all the time and seeking a signal it's actually going to deplete more so yes. battery power is definitely an issue uh, most range finders if you use a standard battery which i think most of them are like a cr2 battery yeah uh, they'll normally have about ten thousand zaps uh for lack of a better yeah. term as far as that so that you're right as far as you know that that can go a long long time mm -hmm. uh versus you know having that watch that all of a sudden you go to that round of golf and you get ready to go out and they're like oh i've got 10 percent power i'm gonna make it yeah. one hole um so there is there is a compromise there as far as that's concerned yeah that's i think that's the thing like i think i just i think i just replaced the battery in um brandon uses a rangefinder all the time when he plays and i mm -hmm. think i just replaced the battery after two years yeah and and, and some and of them was now, still working but i yeah. was just like yeah it's been two years that's right. uh just, just you know, do let's that. replace this yeah so and some of them now like we mentioned with the blue tees one they come with three batteries yeah um there's some that are out there on the market that they have free battery replacements and you know again they're not very expensive but uh they're probably less than what a cable costs to for your your gps device but yeah um, on the other side of it too like i said there is that convenience with those gps devices that um you know courses are mapped all over the place uh you don't have to kind of pull that laser out you just kind of look but that said the targets are going to be slightly different as well so the advantage for a gps device is that um you know it will give you pure yardage from you know the front of the green back of the green middle of the green mm -hmm. uh, which is a little harder to do because we're on the same level um you know to do with a laser device it's pretty hard we can get the exact yardage to the flag uh, but we can't necessarily get what the exact front yardage of the green is or the back of the green just to know the, the length of the green. So that would be an advantage for a GPS device, you know, versus a laser. But on the other side of it, that laser device then gives you the exact yardage to particular targets yes. that, you, that you can see. 
which would be the issue then if we think about measuring for like a dog leg. Maybe you're kind of playing across the, the corner of a dog leg. Well, it's easier if you look on a GPS device to get that line across the corner of, a, of, a, of an area to give you an idea of how far you could hit it and not maybe get yourself in trouble. Whereas you can't shoot the laser like through the tree no, and get the target no. on the other side. So that's where the advantages and disadvantages come from the measuring aspect there. I think that what, what it comes down to with a lot of these things is it comes down to... Um, Come down comes down always to personal preferences like mm -hmm. saying one putter is better than another putter right. is better yeah. than another putter well no you know i i don't use the top of the line you know most expensive putter on the market in my bag um, i have a much more cost efficient putter that's still really good that i really like right so it doesn't matter if if my putter cost $150 and, and some other guy's putter costs $500 mm -hmm. for that person, that $500 putter might be the greatest thing since sliced bread for making putts. And so be sure, it definitely for me, yeah. I've tried the $500 putter and it doesn't mm -hmm. work as well as the $150 putter. So when yeah. it comes to range finders versus watches versus apps, mm -hmm. um, it comes down to what you really prefer for yourself yeah. and your own game. I'd rather grab a little device, look through it, you know, point it at something and measure. And frankly, when it comes down to specific yardages and, and whatnot, I mean, come on. Uh, the, the, the average golfer that, that's playing mm -hmm. doesn't really need that detailed yardage to be no. able to play. I mean, I they need just... to know when I'm playing, I need to know when I'm in the middle of fairway, how far is it? To the, pin, the middle of the, yeah or how far is it to the middle of the green because honestly right. i i can't hit it if it's 150 yards to the middle of the green i can't say yeah. okay well it's 152 and a half to the pin so right. i need to dial back on a six iron or something like i can't hit it that no precise. no but those are two different those are two different choices then because you know the laser provides the exact yardage to the to the middle you're not going to get that with the gps because it doesn't set the whole locations you're no. only going to know the shape of the uh, of the green um the other side too is that you know while the technology is getting better we're still with a gps device we're still depending on a, a transmission uh, of a signal from the ground up to a a satellite and that sometimes can get interfered with it sometimes can be a little bit slow yeah um, so sometimes i've found in in testing some of the uh, gps devices that you know a while people sometimes will say yes they're they're faster because you don't have to pull the device out well sometimes it's or like a laser out um you know but sometimes the gps device is still catching up to to so you're working your way towards the hole yeah. and you're going that yardage is not right and then eventually it you know it, it gets the right signal and locates you and and gets it um so you know it can vary as far as that accuracy but you're right i mean that that general yardage that you see uh, is general is usually fine for some i will say though too that you know because the mapping aspects have gotten better and better there are definitely devices uh, i've seen some garment watches for for an example that now have greater details of 
uh, information. You know, you mentioned Golf Logics. Uh, you know, they do some partnerships and things as well. You know, they've they've mapped some of the green shapes. So yeah. some of the some of the watches now will actually have diagrams of the greens as far as the undulations and so forth that are on the green. So again, it can vary by a lot, uh, and price and budget comes into a factor Big here. Time. Absolutely. Um, you know, all these devices really range by a lot. Um, I believe there's one called a golf buddy. I think it's from Bush now. I'd have to double check the name of it, but you know, it, it might sell for a hundred dollars. And it's a simple clip that kind of goes, you know, it's a little square. It can mm -hmm. go on your bag or you can clip it onto a hat or whatever, gives you the most basic of information. And it, you know, it rings in at a hundred bucks. Well, now you get into some of the laser rangefinders are getting six hundred, seven hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. So so again, that that's a budget issue more than anything. I, I think the biggest thing overall is this this is really a general discussion and talking about preferences, but it's not a clear case of one being better over another. Of course. It's, no. it's matching up what suits you from a budget standpoint, accuracy standpoint, how you measure, what information that you want. Um, you know, again, with the laser, you can zap whatever target that you want. Those targets might not be listed on, on the GPS. And, you know, again, as well, the form that it takes and how you're going to use it. So uh, it's really player dependent more than anything, but those are some of the factors that would come into play in making a decision for a distance measuring device. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, I've, I've still noticed some golf courses still have yardage books. They do, which I love. Which is so cool because yeah, I, I, I love, I, I mean, I used to, we used to, um, you know, back in the day when uh, Mr. Lacasse uh, owned the Eagle Creek Golf Course right. uh, prior to Clublink buying it, um, you know, we we here at Flagstick mm -hmm. designed uh, the, the yardage book that was being used at Eagle Creek. And, yeah. you know, that was prior to the uh, to the Canadian tour back then, mm -hmm. the PGA yeah. Tour Canada now, um, you know, being at there for the Eagle Creek Classic. And we actually went out with my brother, Sean, who was our designer at the time. We went out and literally sketched because we didn't have the the, the, the Google Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff. If we had Google Earth back then, we would have just screen captured the, you know, <laughs> but we went out and sketched and, and all the little nuances and mounds and stuff. And then when we right. drew it, we had to do all the shading of the, like, yep. and, and we went out, we had, a, um, we had a laser uh, pointer Mm -hmm. back then and we had a big board and mm -hmm. we would go out and, and put the board right at the front edge of a bunker and laser it and get oh the yardage my. and then we'd go to the back edge of the bunker and laser it and then that's yeah. how we did it can you imagine yeah. doing that now i no. mean you don't need to i mean really no. yardage books are cool but they're hardly necessary yeah. um but they are cool and, I still, uh, I still love a good old yardage book. So do and, I. You know, obviously, make use of them. At, we had uh, that as option three or four to whether do I want yeah, GPS, yeah, yeah, rangefinder, yeah. or yardage book? Because yeah. I'll take yardage book all day long. I love, I love a yardage book. Just the fact you can, you know, you can make notes uh, a little bit more limited now and stuff like that. But uh, you know, I love that obviously as a caddy as well. I mean, when you go out and caddy on tour, you're, you know, you're using lasers in practice rounds, but you're obviously mm -hmm. not doing it during the tournament itself. Although, you know, there's some different events that are allowed distance measuring devices. Now we're allowed that at our, our local pro tour. And you see that in the PGA championship and things like that as well. Um, 
but uh, yeah, a good old yardage book is always fun. And, and, you know, a lot more courses used to mark their sprinkler heads as well, which yeah, we don't, don't we really don't, anymore. We don't really see that as much. You'll see that at some places, uh, you know, because it's, it's costly to be able to do that and have them marked. But uh, it was always interesting to go in. Although <laughs> I will say, you know, it took some time to obviously go in and find the right yardage marker and find the right sprinkler head and match it up to the yardage book and then sort out your yardage and do the math. Yeah. And that definitely could lead some some slow play for somebody who's not really familiar with, nobody wants. with with doing that or anything but uh yeah in, in any in any case uh you know what i love just the good old 150 yard marker back in the day too but um yeah, yeah those are some factors that you, ha you have to consider for those distance measuring devices and uh, if anybody has any other specific questions or whatever certainly reach out and uh we can try to uh we can try to answer that for you cool Okay, well, um, before we close out uh, this episode of uh, of the podcast, the Flagstick Podcast, um, just a couple of quick things. One, sure, Flagstick Cue Ball Championship registration yes. is open. Okay, Visit link's working. The link is working. Everything is there. So um, I want to be very clear with people. This is going to be an awesome event. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be competitive. Um, there, because of the timing of the event being in the fall, we can't. We're not doing like a full big field here this right. is a this yep. is a limited field event so there will be limited team spots available uh four divisions and uh we'll sort those divisions out once we have all the team indexes the teams in place and we know uh what the total team indexes are going to be and we'll divide it up accordingly but yep. get to flagstick.com click on flagstick events at the top you'll see the flagstick two ball um and the registration is right there um i believe i also have we also have a website uh, flagstick2ball.com uh, um is uh, is a direct website but best just to go through flagstick.com and get to it there get your team registered quickly um yes. we are going to be making an announcement probably in the next week uh about our um our title sponsor for that event and uh, and thus we will also be making an announcement about the nature of the um, prizes and registration gifts and some more details about food and stuff like that um, that will follow the event is in the fall so we're still ironing out some details but mm -hmm. um, you don't wait for me to make that announcement mm -hmm. to see if you Get want up. the registration gift is going to be awesome yeah uh, as it always is with any of our events so yeah, you don't uh, you don't you don't end up on the waiting list yeah which uh, is ask any, any, ask any of the 60 people that are still on the waiting list for the flags to go open <laughs> Um, you know, I hate to have a waiting list. I hate to have people on the waiting list, but the flagstick open when we opened the registration for that, uh, sold out in about four days. Yeah. So, um, don't wait. I've opened it. The announcement is made. There'll be an announcement on flagstick.com, uh, later this week as well. So when that happens, good luck. So get into it right away now second thing is the flagstick yeah. head covers that we talked about oh, yeah. um yeah they're like i said they're they're here yeah um, now, now shipping we're shipping so yep. there are still some here uh make sure that you get to flagstick.com i am in the midst right now of setting up an online purchasing option um okay. as opposed to the e-transfers that we've been using so that you'll mm -hmm. be able to buy it directly from the website awesome. and uh, then i'll ship it out uh, as soon as the order comes in probably we'll do the shipping on those things once a week just so that i can ship them sure. all at the same time yeah. uh but that way everyone when they order it they'll get it probably within within the week um so get over to flagstick.com and uh, get your flagstick limited edition flagstick head cover asap 
All right. Good cool stuff. Beautiful. All right. That's enough for the two of us for yeah. this week. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, as always, Metcalf Golf Club, Golf Sim Gurus, Greensmere Golf and Country Club, and the Kevin Haim Golf School. And of course, our super awesome partners, our presenting sponsor, TaylorMade Golf Canada. Check out the new stealth line of golf equipment at taylormadegolf.ca. And welcome to the Carbon Wood Age. Um, I know that you're all enjoying this podcast. I want you to keep listening, keep watching, and uh, be sure to follow us across all of the social media network, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Spotify, Audible, and Apple Podcasts so you can get the audio versions there. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, like us, click on the notification bell. Make sure you get every single episode as soon as we put it up there. Um, and get on over to flagstick.com as we tell you every single week. Get on over yeah. to flagstick.com. New content, new information delivered to that website every single day. We don't want you to miss anything. As always, we really do appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Until next week, I'm Jeff Potter. I'm Scott McLeod. And always remember, go for the stick.